Good morning and welcome to this Sunday morning broadcast of Barbon Methodist Church in downtown Tyler, Texas. My name is Doug Baker and I'm the lead pastor. We're currently in the church season called Lent with a sermon series called Altered, The Transforming Power of Surrender. In the Bible, people often built altars to celebrate their encounters with God and the transformation they experienced. Each week, we'll study a different Bible character and tell their story. Thanks again for joining us. God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, all the creatures that move along the earth of the ground, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The music today has just been outstanding. Just so grateful to both Jonathan's and Kara, the choir, as well as the children's celebration choir. What a blessing it was for us to have them sing as well today. It's just a good day to be in church. It's a beautiful day to be in God's house. And we pray now that God's word will be spoken into our hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, whose word is perfect, whose word is powerful to convert our souls and giving us wisdom and enlightening our eyes, we do humbly now pray that as your word is now proclaimed that you will do a good work in us by your Holy Spirit. I ask God that you'll humbly hide me behind the cross, that you might speak through me, that you might open our hearts and minds and make them attentive now to your truth. Come Holy Spirit, do a good work in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Lent truly is, friends, a very special season in the life of the church, and it has always been for me, and I hope for you as well, a time when we can look internally, we can look at some of the things that we want to change in our lives and look for those opportunities to either give up things or to put on certain practices to help us accomplish the goal for which we are pursuing. You know, it's easy to say, let's just give up chocolate or let's give up social media, but then after Lent passes, we go right back to those practices. I want to challenge you to, to face the questions of what areas that God is revealing to you through the Holy Spirit that may need to be changed in you and begin to give up some of those activities that might lend itself to that or in some way put on practices that will change you. On Wednesday evening and on Wednesday at noon, we had wonderful Ash Wednesday services, and uh, Reverend Brandy Stevens preached a wonderful message about a hunger for God, and I pray that we will have such a hunger for God that will be driving this, but most importantly, that we will find our lives changed 
Just as if we, as we gave up food corporately as a church, we asked everyone to uh, fast on, from Tuesday night until breaking the fast with communion on Wednesday. We did this corporately. We denied ourselves. We made a decision against ourselves, our bodies, our, our natural passions for food and the nourishment of our bodies. And we did that. And then I've heard stories of what that has meant to people who had maybe never even fasted before. And that's how God works. God takes a spiritual practice, something that we can do in our bodies, in our minds, something activity like prayer or fasting or scripture reading, and God can do an amazing work through his grace and accomplish things that we cannot do on ourselves. So spiritual practices, friends, are simply doing things that you can do so that God can do what God needs to do inside of you, things we cannot do for ourselves. And so as we go into this season of Lent, I'm encouraging us again to make some changes, to, to think, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you or to let circumstances reveal something that may need to change in you. And in so doing, we'll create some more space for God to work and a little bit more surrendering of our own lives. And ultimately, the hope would be that we can build an altar to celebrate the transformation that God is doing that's what the sermon series is all about, friends, as you've seen on the cover of your bulletin this morning. It's about being altered by God. It's about transformation. Because Bible stories talk about when an encounter happened with God, people would have a change in their lives, and in response to the change in their lives, they would build an altar, and they would make a sacrifice onto that. And they were saying, I am committed to you, God. I will live for you. I will surrender my life for you. I will offer my resources for you, for your purposes, because you have changed my life. And friends, through the grace and the power of Jesus Christ and his death for us, we have a power that we should be tapping into to bring about change. We desire, I want to speak for myself, I desire to have a God-altered life during this season of Lent. And I was inspired as I shared on uh, Wednesday night, there was a woman in the 1205 service uh, last Wednesday who talked about giving up revenge, giving up bitterness, giving up anger over a ex-spouse who had cheated on her and infidelity had destroyed her trust in that relationship. It had, it had hurt her deeply and how she was revealed through a pastor who preached on giving up and forgiving and putting on forgiveness. She found a course change in her life that has not been uh, the same since. She's been transformed. And so that would be an altar that could be celebrated the letting go of bitterness and resentment. So I was inspired by that story to begin to think after Ash Wednesday night about what should I give up for Lent? And I decided to give up complaining. And friends, I just wanna tell you that if you desire to give up complaining, it's kinda of like praying for patience. <laughs> Because as soon as you have an opportunity to be patient or to pray for patience, you know, the opportunities are going to come to be patient. And I had lots of opportunities on Friday to, uh, well, to complain. And I would say it was like a litmus test. It was a baseline test for me that I do need to change in this area. Let me tell you just a real briefly a little bit of the circumstances. I, on my day off on Friday, got a phone call at 7.30 in the morning. 
and it was from my optometrist to tell me there were problems with the insurance and we, we changed insurance carriers here at the church and I, for my eye plan and so I had notified them of that but I, mean, you know, I asked her to call me back earlier in the week but she called me Friday morning at 7.30. <laughs> it woke me up. So that was not the best start to the day. I like to get a little extra sleep on, on uh, my days off. And so that's not how you want to start your day. I thought, oh my gosh, first thought was, it's another roofer solicitation call. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And then, and then, no, it was, okay, so it's the eye doctor. And so, so that just got me all set up because even though we actually talked to the insurance people and they said, you are covered, we verified that, the optometrist is saying, no, it's not in our system. We put in the last four digits here, Social Security, it doesn't work. And so I got the two of them working and talking on the phone, but I canceled my appointment on Friday and I reset it. But it didn't start the day off well. And it gave me some material for complaint. And so my reaction to that is to go to Lowe's and to try to do a home improvement project. That was probably a mistake as well. It's <laughs> all I wanted to do was to fix my rake because the rake handle had snapped in half. All I wanted to do was uh, buy a new rake, but then I went and I stood before the rake out and I'm like, oh my gosh, sticker shock. I'm not paying $35 for a new rake. And then I was overjoyed to see that you could buy a rake pole, you know, a replacement. And so I'm all excited. I'm going to go home and just going to change out the one that broke and put in this new one. And then I discover as I'm doing the work, well, I needed a, well, what was in the old rake was a self-tapping hex washer head, which needs a socket wrench and not a Phillips screwdriver for which I was ready to go with. So I pulled out my socket set. Of course, all of the sockets are a mess in the box. And I pull them all out, every single one of them that looks like it could fit, and none of them fit. And I'm getting really agitated, as you could probably tell by now, uh, by this experience. And then I'm on call this weekend, so I've got my cell phone, and I've got it on where it's ringing, so I can hear it if I'm out doing projects. And again, I'm getting roof solicitation phone calls. And I do get one legitimate call from someone who needed to change an appointment and get it on my calendar. I did all that, but then all this is going on and Gina opens the door to see how I'm doing in the garage. It was, open, it was as if the complaint departments put a sign out that said, open now for complaints. <laughs> and I just unloaded on her. And I think she quickly said, okay, and shut the door, right? <laughs> so make sure you're okay. Friends, all that's to say is I had to go in and apologize to Gina because what happens in our brokenness, in our depravity, in our sin is that we hurt those we love. The words were short, they were unkind. And it wasn't mad at her, I was just mad at blah, right? All of that. So be careful if you ask God to deliver you from complaining because the test will surely come. And I bring all this up to say, friends, that the human condition is the first place I want to start today. As I've, been, I've been following Jesus for 45 years, and I have a low frustration tolerance. Ask Gina. I have a low frustration tolerance. I've prayed, God, deliver me from this low frustration tolerance. And I get this idea at Lent, I want to be delivered from the, the low frustration tolerance and the complaining. Well, I didn't get off to a good start. 
Sin is so ever-present. We all have our sinfulness. We all have our brokenness. We all have our, our thorns in the flesh, as the Apostle Paul would say. And, and that's why, as we come to know a story, we can understand why God, after he starts the earth and sees all the evil and the wickedness and the way people are treating each other, decides what? I need a mulligan, right? I need a do-over. I'm just gonna hit the reset button on this human creation because it is a mess. And we know that's the story of Noah and the ark and the God's redoing of earth to, to recreate, to do something new because it had turned out not like he had planned it. In verse six of chapter six in Genesis says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings and his heart was deeply troubled. And so he begins a salvation plan, not good for everyone else, but good for the eight people, Noah and his family, who will be tucked away in the ark and kept in safety during the, the, the 40 days of rain. Imagine, we've had some rain and we've had some movement of water and some mud that's moved around in my neighborhood. But can you imagine 40 days of straight rain? It, it totally covers the earth and the mountains and every living being dies except for the eight in the ark. And then God calls forth Noah to come out of the ark. And as I read this story, I was amazed by the fact that Noah has been obedient to everything God has asked him to do. Even when his friends are mocking him for building this monstrosity of a boat in their neighborhood, did he check in with the HOA? What is he doing? They're upset about it. They're teasing him. And yet he is obedient and he does what God asks of him. And he even waits until God asks him to come out of the ark. As God put them in when the rain began, God also invites them in dialogue to come out. But friends, the problem that we're talking about around the story of Noah and the ark is what has been the burden and the problem, and it hasn't gone away. God's just taken a different approach after the flood, and that is we are a fallen people. We are corrupted by sin, and it, it all starts in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. But I won't go into that story. You're familiar with the temptation and the failure and the fact that they did the one very thing that God told them not to do, and they just couldn't help themselves. And the human tendency is to oftentimes do what we don't want to do, right, and not do what we want to do. We are a broken people. Theologically, this is called total depravity. And as the hymn writer puts it, we are prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Corruption finds its way into all areas of our life. And if you think the world is gonna help you, it's not. The world is gonna be forming you away from God and the culture is gonna be doing its thing. So the only way to get out of that stream is to lock in on God and seek to be obedient and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit and ask when you make mistakes for Jesus Christ to do a new start in you, to forgive you for what you've done and to be forgiven and to live with Christ and with the Holy Spirit. But this, the biblical witness says the corruption of the world is still around. We love darkness more than light, John 3, 19. We do not understand the things of God, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. We've all wandered away, like Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 6. We've broken the laws of God, 1 John 1, 8. We've missed the mark, Romans 3, 23. And we are even hostile to God and his purposes, Romans 8, 7. 
The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, said, we are innately, we have an innate corrupt nature and a natural propensity to sin. A nice way to put it is, we just have a bent toward messing things up. We have a bent toward sinning. Sin is universal. It is disease that affects all of us. And it certainly reminds us that something is wrong with me and with the world. But author and pastor John Mark Comer in his most recent book, Practicing the Way, which I would highly recommend to anyone who wants to read it, states that though a growing number have, and I love the way he puts it, an emotional allergy to the word sin. Would you agree with that? The world has an emotional allergy to the word sin. They just makes it uncomfortable. Don't be judgmental. Don't talk about my sin. Don't talk about the sins. He goes on to say, though the world may be this posturing, the ancient, modern, Eastern, Western, and also secular thinkers would all agree that something is deeply off in the human heart. And all you had to do is turn on the news this week that a woman would walk into a church with an armed gun and begin shooting people and in the crossfire that her seven-year-old son would be struck in the head and be critically wounded. Friends, that reminds us how broken this world is. That as a community like Kansas City would gather to celebrate Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and their Super Bowl win, that two minors with automatic weapons would decide at that moment to, to shoot at each other and in the, not caring about the 20 innocent victims that are gonna be caught in the crossfire. Is there any doubt that the world is terribly wrong? Now those are bad experiences and bad examples that really show the darkness and the depravity of the world. But I'm just here to say to you this morning that what was going on in the garage with me was just as bad. When I lose my temper, when I get frustrated by simple things like screws, when I can't handle and manage phone calls that are making me upset, when I can't deal with insurance companies and get it fixed right away and I'm ready to complain, I still have that taint of sin, that, that bent towards sinning even in me. And I need God's help. Read forward and even Noah, even though God gives him a brand new start. In chapter nine, friends, it's not great news. Noah Carvises the first vine crop out of his vineyard, makes himself some good tasting wine, sits back, gets drunk, passes out naked in his tent. What a great story. Why is that in the Bible? <laughs> and the amazing thing is, is his son named Ham, which is the middle son, and what an appropriate name, because he probably was a ham. He can't just go in discreetly and cover up his father and respect his father's dignity. He goes and tells his brothers. And this is right after the restart that it's already going on like this. Is this really funny? No, it seems tragic to me. And in my devotional reading, I was reminded in Genesis 49 that Jacob speaks about Reuben, his sons. And then and, and instead of giving a blessing, he talks about incest and he talks about Simeon and Levi having a, using a covenant that God has given to take revenge out on those who harmed their sister. And it just, are you kidding me? You go down the line, David with Bathsheba, Elijah wanting to throw in the towel after one of the greatest prophets, and even Simon Peter, the rock, betraying that he even knows Jesus. Friends, Original sin is real. We do have a bent towards sinning and it, it's a plague that hits all of us. But here's the question, what will you do about it? And thanks be to God, 
that God has given us in the words of Asbury Theological Seminary Professor Dr. Bill Arnold, he has given us by his grace a freed will. You don't have to default. Yes, you have a free will, but you have a freed will. If you are in Jesus Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have a freed will not to be, not to be formed by this world. You have a freed will to be more informed and formed by the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as the children sang to us this morning, I love that. When you're angry, when I was angry, I should have been praying, not cursing, right? And don't email me saying, well, what, did, what words did you say, Doug? Okay. <laughs> I should have been praying. I have a freed will, can choose God and choose the, the redemptive work of Christ, of Christ in my life. That's why we started the service that said, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, behold, old things should pass away and the new should come the new in Christ should come. God is always working to save us. And we want to celebrate the fact that that's why we shared the story from Exodus 14. I wanted you to hear some of these parallels or what we would call Bible echoes in the scripture. As the scripture was read from Exodus this morning, as God's people were led out of captivity and bondage and slavery in Egypt, what were they doing they were complaining about now they've reached a dead end and God had brought them out here to die. And God says, no, just keep going. I got this. I'll take care of it. I'll split the waters. And it is through water that they are saved. An important thing to hear over and over again, the flood, it is through water that God is bringing salvation and restart to the earth. It is through water that God brings Moses and the Israelites out of captivity into the promised land. And it is through water, friends, that you are baptized and brought into a new life in Jesus Christ, whether it is as a child or as a new believer, it is still the baptism waters that refresh and nourish your soul. It is through water, and that's why 1 Peter 3.20, I didn't make this up myself, I wish I could take credit, but Peter says, the apostle Peter, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Eight day eight were saved, and the water symbolizes the baptism that now saves you in Jesus Christ. Flood, slavery to freedom, and being boxed in and, and in a place where you feel like you have no options other than to, I don't know, to continue to do your very best, try harder. What is God doing for us? He is passing us through the waters of salvation and our Christian baptism and giving us the Holy Spirit that we might have a new life in him. Just as God is recreating in Genesis 8 and even God recreating a people in Exodus, he is recreating you through Jesus Christ and through your water baptism. He is giving you space. Now let's talk about the space that God gives us. Because in the old way, before the first covenant there in Genesis 9, God destroys what is evil and wretched and dark and lost and does a start over. But after the flood, he says, I'm not doing that ever again. You heard the promise. I asked you to listen. What is God's promise? I will never again destroy the earth 
or my people or anything I've created. I will be working. I will be suffering. I will be coming alongside you. I will be giving you the tools. I will come in the flesh in the the name of Jesus Christ. I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will do all these things because we're going to do it differently this time. I'm giving you space. I will not destroy you and shut you down. I will give you space and it's your choice. You can either wander in it and struggle and try to do it yourself or you can rely on the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit for transformation. This is the message that we need to hear today because so many of us try to change ourselves when really we must rely upon God to change us by the power of his Holy Spirit and by the burning sensation of the fire from within that the Holy Spirit symbolizes for us. I love the biblical echo of the covenant. We first think of the first covenant being found in in Moses on Mount Sinai. They've just gotten into the land. Now they're getting the law. That's not the first covenant. The first covenant is in chapter nine, right after where we stopped reading today. That's where God brings the rainbow and says, my covenant promise to you is I will never destroy you again. I am creating space for you. So friends, what is your response? How will you respond to the space God is giving to you? Noah comes out into the space and he hears God say, here is recreation. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, fill it with good deeds, fill it with with people, fill it with love. This is the earth that is being recreated and the vision that God is giving And Noah does what? He builds an altar to the Lord. And on the front of your bulletin, you'll see a big fire. And that represents for us the altar because in the temple, if you read Leviticus 6, the priests were told in I think eight verses, they were told three times. I think they were saying, you better get this right. Don't let the fire go out. Do not let the fire go out on the altar where the sacrifices are there. Now, some scholars say, don't let the fire go out because God brought the fire. When they built the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifices. And if God started the fire, you don't wanna be the the priest that let it go out, right? You don't wanna be that guy that, oh man, the fire went out on my watch. No, don't let the fire go out. But most importantly, it's not about really not letting it go out because friends, when God gave us the Holy Spirit, where did he put it? inside of you. And if you put it inside of you, and if God has always said throughout the scriptures, I will always be with you, it's not going anywhere. We don't have to worry about other than we can shut down the Holy Spirit, we can frustrate the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by choosing a wrong path and doing sinful things, or we can open our lives to the Holy Spirit and walk with the Holy Spirit. And I close down this message with this. The altar of the church has become for us a sacred space, a meaningful space. Every church I've ever served, including this church, has an altar. Because this is a symbol, a symbol that means lives are changing. Because in the Bible, when lives changed, people stepped back and honored God and praised God by building an altar. This is our altar, and may we have stories to tell of transformation this Lent. 
knowing that we're going to make mistakes, we're going to have our bad days, we're going to have our rough starts. I've had them, you've had them, but we can immediately move to prayer, immediately move to forgiveness. We can immediately say to those we've hurt, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Right? Because the Holy Spirit is the fire in us. And we have an altar. Every Sunday, we come to worship during Lent to say, thank you, God. My life has been changed. This is my story. Keep changing me. So closing question, how is God calling you to be recreated this season of Lent? Will you surrender to God to allow God to do a good work in you? Please visit our website to learn more about our church or text NEW to 90382 to receive a personal response from our church. We'd love to have the opportunity to help you grow in your faith. If you'd like to make a financial contribution to the church, please use the QR code on the screen for online giving or send a gift to the church at 300 West Irwin Street, Tyler, Texas, 75702. I hope you have a great Lenten season as we anticipate together the Easter celebration of Christ's resurrection.